But Barker, I'm looking at the ERA of the uh, dude pitching tonight for the Cleveland Indians. JC Mejia, 7.60. Oh, that's pretty bad. You know what? It's almost as bad as Eli Morgan's ERA Seven before he shoved that up there. Hmm. Baseball Central, Blair and Barker. That's a great start. That's a great start to the show. Well, right it's there. true. Come on. Oh, I, it is. I mean, I'm looking at this. The first thing I think is, Jesus, where'd they get this guy? Look at that ERA. And then oh. I go, wait a minute. I've seen it something similar before. Huh. Have some faith. I got faith, especially after last night. 7-2 yeah. seven, went over Cleveland. Yunjin Ryu, you made the point like two months ago. When we were talking about, okay, when this team comes back to Rogers Center, who do you think it'll make a difference for? And I thought, well, I mean, I, I thought more of the, in terms of the, the hitters. And you came out right away and said, no, it's going to be Hyunjin Ryu. And your reasoning was that, uh, you know, Ryu had, getting on a mound in a major league park was going to, was going to make a difference to him mentally. It was also going to make a difference to his stuff because we talked, about, not his stuff, but we talked about how in Dunedin with the wind blowing, some of the softer. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm not sure that had an issue with with him with the wind blowing. I just think it was he was more nibbling because he's left-handed. He throws 88 miles an hour. You saw last night he didn't have any walks. And the, no. first, the first inning, he he put the uh, Cleveland Indians on notice that he had all good pitches working. You know, you saw all couple, four of them dropped a couple of curves. Yeah, yeah, he had some he had some really good Cutter. ones right early in the game, right? The touch and feel. You, you mentioned it three up, three down in the first inning. He had yeah. the two Ks. He threw the thirteen pitches, the seven strikes. Uh, you know, and again, they they saw all four pitches, so he put them on notice. And then and then the lineup in the first inning, there got jiggy with it. You know, got what jiggy with it, right? They start you get a home run, you lead off. George the hell, how, how old is that song, Dylan? Getting jiggy with it. It's huh. 99. That's even. Yeah, I was, I was three years into uh, getting my foot down, getting it singing. Jeff, 99. I got the play, 97. So you weren't three years down to getting your, three years into getting your foot down and getting 99. it 99. No, well, it came out in 97, not uh, 99. When were you uh, drafted? 96. So you would have been a, only a year into getting it down and getting it singing in Ogden, Utah. Or, yeah. Here we go. I'm trying to remember who had this as their walk-up. Somebody must have had this as their walk-up music. It's a bad song. Who is this? Is this Will Smith? <laughs> Anyhow. All right. So now we know getting jiggy with it was from 1997. Yeah. George Springer, the Oscar Hernandez. Got the lead, and then Turned all this, all the sequences from... From Ryu and throwing strikes and getting ahead, using his breaking ball. He was really good. He has to be great down the stretch. Yeah, you need about eight more just exactly the way it looked last night. The, eight, eight more of those. Can you give him eight more of those? Eight more starts just like that. Yeah. In a row. I think so. No hiccups. Oh, not not a not three good ones row. and a bad one. Eight in a row. Just like that. This is the lineup for the Blue Jays tonight. George Springer is leading off. He's a DH. Vladdy's at first, Marcus Semyon is at second, Bo is at short, Teoscar's in right, Corey Dickerson in left field, he's back in the lineup, Randall Gritchick is mm. in center, Bravik Valera back at third, Reese McGuire behind the plate, Steven Matz on the Sounds middle. like a winner. I, lo- I love it whenever they say that, why they give a guy a, a DH day, been running around the bases too much, <laughs> get, him, get him off his feet. Well, I, you know, awesome. I, I, I'm a little surprised that Santiago Espinal's grabbing a pine for a second day in a row. 
don't Maybe know. they don't think there's going to be a lot of balls hit down third base with Steven Matz. Well, you got a sinker. The sinker's working. It should be. For Cleveland, Miles Straw leading off. Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Fran Reyes, Bobby Bradley, Oscar Mercado, Roberto Perez, Owen Miller, Bradley Zimmer, and as we mentioned, J.C. Mejia on the mound. He is a right-hander. And first pitches at 7.07 from the Rogers Center. And uh, Ben Wagner will join us a little later in the show to get you set for that. Talk a little bit about the standings. The Tampa Bay Rays, just uh, about an hour ago, maybe a little more than an hour ago, put away the Seattle Mariners, 4-3. And that, that's, you know, that's one of those games where if you're, if you're the Blue Jays, you're looking at it and you're going, well, um, the Mariners are one of the teams we're chasing in the wild card standings. Oakland's losing. Tampa Bay's atop the division. Oakland's losing to uh, the San Diego right now. 3-1. We are in, we're in the bottom of the fourth inning. Um, these are the standings as they sat going into the day. Uh, well, now including Tampa Bay's win. They're one and a half up on Boston, three up on... Uh, sorry, one and a half up on Boston, six and a half up in the Yankees, seven and a half in Toronto. The Jays are three back in the wild card. The Yankees are two back. Boston's three up. And uh, Seattle is now two and a half back. So with, with, with the win tonight, the Jays can close in a little bit mm. on Seattle. The Yankees are in Baltimore. And the Red Sox are in Detroit to take on the Tigers, who've won two in a row and are not, they're a little, little peskier than the Tigers we've yeah, seen. Yeah, the Tigers since, since the All-Star break have the best record in baseball. 12, I believe they have. six. Yeah. Yeah, I think they got nothing to lose. Um, so there you are. That is, the, uh, that is the standings. The schedule came out for next year. The Jays are in, in their interleague play, I should say. We'll take on the Central Division. So I believe it's May 20th to 22nd. We'll get to see Joey Votto and the Cincinnati Reds here in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, good. Now, this could be an interesting time to play the Central. You know, St. Louis, I mean, you got rebuilding Chicago. St. Louis, Milwaukee's still a factor. Pittsburgh. And then Cincinnati's. As long as the pitcher's not hitting, I'm okay with any of that you just said. Yeah. So anyhow, that is the uh, Jay's the Jay schedule. I took a quick look at it, and uh, it ends with the usual Tampa Bay Yankees Boston drive <laughs> trifecta. But that's the way it should end in September. Huh. And it starts against the Yankees. So that is the uh, schedule. Ben Ben Wagner tweeted it out, uh, so you can uh, you can check out his Twitter feed. He's got the actual like little thing that you can the actual schedule itself mm. that you can download. Um, if you so wish. So we talked about Hyunjin Ryu last night. We'll talk about Steven Matz right now. Mm-hmm. Steven Matz's last outing, three and a third, nine hits, four earned runs, two strikeouts. That was a season low. That was against the Boston Red Sox. They lost 4-1. Uh, Steven Matz has lost three of his last four starts. What are your expectations for him tonight? Oh. Uh, five, five innings, two run ball, six hits. Uh, the, I mean, I'm guessing there, but that's that's what I know that's are. what I'd like. I'd like the the 
line up to score a bunch of runs early, take the pressure off his sinker. His sinker's got to be good. Batters are hitting 291 off his sinker. That, for me, is his best pitch. When it looks like a sinker, he's going to have a good day. When it doesn't, and it's running side to side, and it looks like a four-seamer. Now, occasionally, he'll run a four-seamer in there when he wants to go into a righty, elevate to a righty to get him out. You know, the breaking ball, he'll sprinkle in there. But the sinker, for me, has to look like a sinker. You can watch it on TV. And if it's sinking, that means it's going to be real tough for the batter to make solid contact against that pitch. When it's not, it's he goes deeper in counts. Uh, he's not as efficient. He's not throwing strike one as much because, you know, it's running. They're taking it more because they don't, they don't respect the sinker. Sinker's got to be good, if not great. You know, it's the Cleveland Indians, and, and they're not the greatest of lineups, but they are going to, you know, they see the same thing, the same numbers that I see. When you're hitting 291 against the sinker, that means a lot of the times he's either aiming that, he's not locating it, it's not sinking. When it's not, it's good hit. Now, I know he's left-handed, and it's occasionally, most of the time, occasionally, 94, 96, somewhere in that range, when it's coming off the fingers just right. Sometimes he's erratic and not throwing it all for strikes. But when he's good with the sinker and it is moving and it looks like a sinker, that makes the changeup that much better because now it looks exactly like it's the tunneling of the sinker. Now all of a sudden the sinker is going the way it is, but it's about, I don't know, 9 to 11 miles an hour difference. That's a big mile an hour difference. That's going to get you out front. That's going to get some weak contacts. You'll you'll get to keep your, your defense on their toes a little bit more because you're throwing strikes and you're putting balls in play earlier. And it's getting crunch time for them, right? It's it's the, We know the first four guys who they are. The last two guys, Stripling and Matt's, for me, down the stretch, it's who's pitching better. What is, is what you do with it, how much they're going to pitch down the stretch here. And he needs to, you know, it's sort of gloves off with him because of what he's been through. You know, he had a little time off because of the COVID thing. He needs to come out and get after some people and do it with a little authority. Now he's playing his home games here. People are going to be cheering for him, which he seems between the years needs to have that. And it'll be nice just to see him attacking, movement on it being efficient, and giving this team a chance to win. That's all you can ask for a, for a four or five guy is to give them a chance. Well, I, and, I, and I would suggest this, that you've got that doubleheader coming up in, uh, in Anaheim uh, next week. And after that, if you are the Blue Jays, you are probably going to sit down and take a look at your rotation. Is it too much to say, given that Barrios is here, Given what we've seen from Manoa, Ray, Ryu, and, and, and Stripling, is it too much to say or too easy to simply look at this and say Steven Matz is pitching for a spot in the rotation? No, it's easy. Him and Stripling both for me. Ross Stripling, you, you, could, you could, I guess, maneuver it to where they you either can skip their start. Because Stripling, you could, Charlie's talked about, no, about needing a Where would he long pitch? guy. Where would he pitch? Out of the long, bullpen. Long guys yeah. are using it because your starter's not any good. Well, I, that was my point. So what, what, if, if you, you don't know, have a long guy, the easiest thing to do is have is have your strongest starter out there, there you so go. you don't need him. There you go. So I don't I don't really moving him to the bullpen. What's that do? It just means your starter stunk, and and he may go you know seven, eight, nine, ten days without without pitching. Can he do that and be a, and be halfway decent at it? Could he add a couple miles an hour to his fastball? Would his breaking ball break more? Could he eliminate the changeup? I don't know. One of those three mm-hmm. could be better. I, I just don't – for me, it's you down the stretch. You think you're in this, which they are. Well, they three back in the wild card. There's a couple teams in front of them. They're in it. They're, they're playing yeah, relevant they... games in September. That means you put your best on the field. 
And if one of those two is not your best, then you either don't pitch him or you put him in a bullpen and you don't pitch him. Yeah, this is the 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 American League East has kind of if if you are the Blue Jays and you've got some games in hand still over Oakland, the American League East is kind of developing the way you want it to develop. Right? Obviously, you'd rather be in first place. I, I get that, or you'd rather be in front of the wild card. I get that, but you know you've you've got the Yankees. They got COVID issues. Yeah. They're going to miss, have at least one start where Garrett Cole's going to miss, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is now uh, on the list. Yep. Boston stopped hitting all of a sudden, yep. which, pff, who the hell saw that coming the last time we saw well, them play mar- the Blue It's a marathon, Jays. not a sprint. Right. Teams go through this. They're just going through it at the wrong time. Right. But yeah. they, they've stopped hitting. Now they are going to get Chris Sale back probably, probably next week mm-hmm. at some point. So um, that will certainly give them a shot in the arm. And Tampa, you know, Tampa has done it, has, has kind of, what what happens when a team takes, overtakes another team in first place in your division? It almost pulls the whole thing back to you. And Tampa, Tampa's kind of pulled the division back to Toronto. Uh-huh. All right, well, you got to ask yourself, are the Blue Jays good enough to, 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 I don't know, win 10 games in a row? Are they capable of doing that? Three big parts of the game: base, I mean, base running, good pitching, a good bullpen, and some timely hitting. Are they, do they have a good enough team to do that? I, they, they might. Hmm. They might. I, I, a lot of it for I, me is Petey and Charlie got to pick the right guy at the right put time. Put it this way: Could they? they really can they win ten in a row? I don't know. Could they go? Well, they may have. Could to. they go eight out of ten? Yeah. Well, George Springer got to continue to hit a lot. But the pitching, hey, Oscar Hernandez has got to continue getting, to start driving the ball skills. and hit some home runs. Right. Vladdy can't have a hiccup. Bo, when it matters with two outs, got to come up with some big hits. And they got to continue to do their thing. And maybe some guys at the bottom of the orders, you know, getting mm. on and change, turn, turning the lineup over and those kind of things. But you know as well as anybody. It's gonna, it's all going to be determined. For me, a lot of it does have to do with the lineup. But it's the guy standing on the mound. And and Charlie and Petey got to pick the right guy. When Whenever they're taking the ball from the starter and they got a lead – how many times do you go to a bad Brad Hand? Yeah, well. That's the question. Like, right, he's a veteran guy. You brought him here for a reason so you didn't have to leave other people in the big leagues that aren't big leaguers. Well, if he struggles again, do you, are, do, you know, do you have enough nerve to walk up to him and say, I know we all why we brought you here, but all these games matter and you're not real good right well, now. Well, we, you know, I mean, we've, That's tough. look, we, we've, you know, we, we've, we've seen that, we've seen that before. I, from Charlie and from Pete, I I really do think, as I said yesterday, I think they needed to they need to see what they have in Brad Hand, and you you know they can draw their own conclusions from that. If it's me, do I go to him tonight mm-hmm. with the game on the line? Nope, nope. You have I better don't. options right now. You got better options Sorry, right now. A, for me, a much better option. You 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 saw the the Ephus curveball. I don't even know if that's an Ephus, but it's sixty eight. You can throw that for strike one. And then he, the very next pitch, Jeff, mm-hmm. changed arm angles, and it was 96 elevated. That's special. What do you make of the fact? I want to bring it back to Hyunjin Ryu. And uh, we'll be joined in a few minutes by Jeff Blum, um, the uh, uh, Houston Astros analyst. And we will uh, we will Boo! talk about it. You got, you better, we'll you talk about stop, that series against Boo. L.A. Like every, every you know – Occasionally, when you when you poke the bear, now yeah. I, I know they've it's warranted, and and you probably expect it if you're if you're an Astros fan or an Astros player. But right. we will a pretty uh, good team. Yeah, we will 
we will we will talk to Jeff about that. Uh, and uh, and and as I said, Ben Wagner joins us as well later on in the show. It is Walk Off Wednesday. The phone numbers are 416-870-0590. star five ninety. We'll be taking calls pretty much throughout the show. Your texts as well. Five ninety five ninety is the text line. So again, the numbers to call are four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety star five ninety. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety. You got questions, comments, thoughts about the Blue Jays? That's fine. Questions, comments, thoughts about the Rogers Center? That's fine. Yeah. Questions, comments, thought about thoughts about anything to do with baseball? This uh, is the uh, place uh, to talk about. Uh, we talked about the Ryu thing being at home, being yes. a big league ballpark. I'll just give you what I saw in the, in the first five innings. He threw sixty pitches through five innings. He threw seventeen changeups. He faced ten batters. Well, no, he faced nineteen batters through five innings. Ten of those batters. Ten, Jeff. He got out with three or fewer pitches. Four of the ten, he got out with one pitch. Mm-hmm. Now, if I just read that till you, you didn't watch the game, what's that tell you? Tells you that he just dominated. Well, he's confident. He has four pitches he that looked, he can throw for strikes. He looked. He's commanded the fastball, and he's not nibbling. He That's was, the whole point of it is. The other, the other thing, too, last night, and I know with him, velo is not a big issue, but it kind of is in some ways. And that, when I say it's... I, I'm not saying that he's going to he's going to throw 94 and 95, but when he does feel well, he's capable of getting the pitch up to 90, well, he 92. Th- and he he was a li- his his pitches were a little firmer. He threw 99 pitches firmer. last night. The 96 pitch was 93 miles an hour. When's the last time you could say that about Ryujin Ryu? I I don't know. It, it, I don't it even was, know if that matters. No, but it's a sign. Him. No, it's an, yeah, it, it, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not important to how he goes about pitching and it's not important to whether now he can win the game but it does tell you when he finishes off like that it tells you that he's comfortable it tells you that yeah. he's he's feeling good and about himself he can add and subtract the way he does you know the 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 curveball at 77 with the big loop in it that you the change up is in the low 80s he can add the cutter at 87 miles an hour, and he's got a fastball, four-seamer at 93 miles an hour, and you're doing it to all quadrants of the strike zone, and you can get ahead with all four of those pitches. Look, you, you talked about who you want in one game. Okay. If I saw, if this guy is the guy that's going to be the last eight starts of the season, I'm, I'm guessing that eight-start thing. <laughs> that's my guy. No. He's allowed two or fewer runs. I don't know what happened there. Mike, Mike Button was on. Mike Button was on. I'll let beat you. <laughs> He's allowed two or fewer runs in four of his last five outings. Yeah, the only thing. Four and over the 184 you know what ERA. The Jays are in the last four five walks, his, 28. His K. last five outings, you know what the Jays went? Five and oh. That's why he's. Uh, when that's when why you he's have here. a really good starting pitcher down the stretch, wins matter. They do. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, is a text line. It's walk-off Wednesday. Make your call good. Make your text good. We'll let you walk us off. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, 416-870-0590, star 591 590 we're just watching Andre DeGrasse again yeah. on uh, on the TV. I was watching that live with my wife, and I and I'm not kidding you. I was up off my couch, running with him like that. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> to Andre DeGrasse. It that was, was tremendous. It. 
that was uh i i made a comment about gear. this guy do you know do you know that this guy in the finals of every race has laid down a personal best like think about that yeah. uh, anson henry who uh we've had on who uh covers track he's got a podcast and also uh, does stuff for ctv was saying lays down a personal best every yeah, race, every, the, every big race when the lights are brightest Anyhow, congratulations to Andre de Grasse. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, Aaron Brown also in the final uh, as well. But, yeah, I mean, this stuff, never, we're going to be watching this forever, and it never gets old. Nope. The good thing is going to be watching the 4 by one relay because that, I think Aaron Brown here, I mean, you want to get a chance at, at redemption. <laughs> you get that 4 by one If you're running the third leg and you hand it off to uh, de Grasse. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, let's go to Rob in Port Hope. What's up, Rob? Mm. Rob dropped. Go to Paul in Campbellville. Hey, Paul. Hey, guys. How are you? How are you? Doing well, thanks. Good. A couple quick questions. Uh, Kev, uh, what's going on with all the catchers? Uh, Molina, Gary Sanchez, Christian Vasquez, all down on one knee with all the pass balls with uh, runners in scoring position. And second thing is the horrible, horrible throws from a lot of players from the outfield. Six feet to the right, to yeah. the left, the home plate. And last thing, Ben Wagner's doing a great job. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Uh, okay, well, the, the first one was about the, the catchers and, and going to the one knee. It's about framing. It's, it's about stealing strikes. It, that now in 2021 is more important than blocking balls, how good your times are, throwing to second base. It's about stealing that third strike, stealing strike one, basically tricking the umpire. That's why you get lower, making it look like to the umpire that that low ball is right down the middle when it's really, really not. You you know, you're given with it. You're catching it and sort of given with the pitch and, and the throws from the outfield. That's an easy answer. They don't. They never practice it. They, they, you know, they give those. When we were Jeff, we were standing in the outfield in spring mm-hmm. training. You see mm-hmm. the Blue Jays doing it, and they would do it. Out of how many days in spring training? Thirty-ish days. Yeah. You know, they do it five days out of the thirty, and then they never do it again. If you don't practice something, you're not going to be good at it, and that's why they're not good at throws. Yeah, and I think you're seeing, frankly, I mean, I think teams around baseball know that. You, you saw the way the Cleveland Indians have been aggressive here in this series. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're gonna look. I mean, you can have we, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s got a gold glove. Uh, you know, all the George Springer's great defensively. Randall, but the point is, a lot of teams are gonna. A lot of teams know that the outfield that the throwing isn't that great because, I mean, you don't. The base paths don't get as much emphasis as they used in the game, in general anymore. Yeah, yeah th- they that, don't. that for me puts a lot of pressure on cutoff and relays. You, lining up to the right base, getting to the line quicker. Yeah. Line quicker means everybody running to where they want the ball thrown to. If you know, if a ball's hitting the gap, runner on first, you want it to go to third. Everybody's got to hurry out there, give the target to the outfielder as quick as possible. And when you got guys that don't have stronger arms, that puts more pressure on the first guy because. Obviously, you want the first guy to have the strongest arm because he's normally going to get the ball. The second guy's just to make up for a bad throw and, and chasing after the baseball. But it is it puts a lot of pressure on defenses to line up, line up quickly, get the ball in a hurry. The the guy making a good turn, putting himself in a position to line up and, and make an accurate yeah, throw to it, where he wants to throw it to. But it is a lost art because it's, they don't practice it. And it's always struck me as kind of weird because there's so many good athletes in the game right now. Like a lot of guys are so fast. 
you, you would just think that maybe I, I just you'd think there may be more stolen bases and things like that. But I mean, a lot of pro, that's a product that guys don't get paid for stolen base. You get paid for home. Yeah, and base running. You see a lot of base bad base running in baseball because they don't practice. The uh, boy, the, the Houston Astros. Uh, this is a series against the Dodgers. It's just a two-game series in L.A. Uh, but uh, look, you, you go back to the cheating scandal. You, you look at the fact that this could conceivably be a World Series preview. I mean, I'll you know, I'll mm. I'll take the ad. Well, Chicago's pretty impressive, but I I like a lot of things about the Astros right now. Uh, the Astros won three nothing yesterday last night in la they got the usual garbage can treatment and the mm-hmm. the, the booing and the cat calling from mm-hmm. the crowd lance mccullers um i mean you want to talk about clutch performance and i know we always argue about what clutch clutches nine k's and six and two-thirds scoreless innings against that lineup um, i'm going to bring in jeff blum who is the uh, astros analyst into the conversation. Jeff, thanks for joining Barker and myself. We want to talk to you a little bit about uh, this series, but Bark brought up a point here. Um, I, I, we were talking about Lance McCullers, and I said, I, I understand that there are, you know, there are other pitchers around the, the league that people will look at and say, one, one big game, give me this guy. But I, I told Kevin, and maybe I'm reading too much into what I've seen of him, but he, he strikes me as a guy who really does... He, he kind of likes a little bit of, of turmoil, doesn't he, when it comes to the opposing teams? Good to be on with you guys, and I actually like that, that word, the, the turmoil. You know, just mm. a little bit of, uh, of interesting energy in the ballpark. And, and Lance always does kind of seem to thrive in those situations. And it's kind of funny you bring that up because I talked to, uh, you know, Omar Lopez, the third base coach for the Astros, maybe about two or three weeks ago, and we were talking about drafting. We're talking about guys and, you know, how they how they handle themselves in the minor leagues. And he said that when Lance McCullers was drafted in the – you know, whenever he was drafted, mm-hmm. there were a couple other high prospects with him. And they put both of these guys on the mound, and they just kind of looked at just how they, how they took the rubber, how they stood there, and how they approached hitters. And to a man, everybody pointed to Lance McCullers and said, that's the guy I want out there because he's always had that bulldog mentality of he wants the baseball. He, he's, he thrives in moments of chaos and turmoil like you're talking about. Uh, you know, there was a couple of years ago when the Astros Rangers rivalry was at, at its peak and he's throwing behind Mike Napoli. You know, he, he's always been kind of in the mix. And, but the way he handled himself last night, in that hostile environment and stepped up for his teammates. And, and he even said it on his Twitter feed, you know, he said that was for you H town. He has a strong grasp of what he means to this community and what he means to this ball club. And I, I couldn't be more proud of what that guy did last night. It was unbelievable how he handled that Dodger lineup. They are a very potent lineup. Okay. Complete healthy season. Jordan Alvarez. Can he hit 300 with 50 homers? Is he, is he good enough to do that? You know what? If if you would have asked me that the the first year I saw Jordan in in 2019, I would have said probably not. I mm-hmm. probably would have said he would just hit 50 home runs. Yeah, and uh, you know he would lay into some balls and drive and drive runners in, and I'd say yeah, he'd be a 250 50 home run guy. What he's done this year in in certain situations, and if you look at his his batting average with two strikes, uh, he, he does he's a little bit of a roller coaster ride just because this is technically his sophomore year. He's trying to. He's trying to figure out the league, and the league is trying to figure him out. But 
he's gone through stretches where, you know, he's not getting the pitch to drive, but he's not trying to drive it. He's getting the base hits when they're given to him. So I would, you know, 300 is a lofty goal, but if you told me he's a 275, 280 with 50 home runs, yeah. I might buy that one. How, how much does the Crawford seats help him with average? Yeah, you know what's crazy to me? I don't think he's figured out how to hit it into the no. Crawford seats yet. You know, yeah. and, but once he once he figures that out and is able just to kind of flick it over there because he's maybe hit maybe three or four over there in the time he's been at Minute Maid Park. But if he if he realizes that he can just inside out and just kind of flick an outside pitch, he's strong enough to do that. But if he ever figures that out and lets that ball travel with some power deep in his swing. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit for that guy if he's able to figure out how to go the other way and just hit it 350 feet because that is well within yeah. his range. Now, Jeff, there's there's what? There's six players left from that 2017 World Series, uh, six Astros players. There's seven Dodgers players. You know, this is the first time that they've played at Dodger Stadium with fans in the stands and all that. We saw the inflatable garbage cans get thrown on the field. And listen, I understand that, that the Astros have dealt with this all year. Uh, but, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm also looking at an Astros team that uh, has the best record in the AL, the second best record in the majors. They're 43 and 25 against teams that are 500 or better. And if mm-hmm. you want a comparison, the Dodgers are 23, 26 against teams that are 500 or better. I, if I'm an opposing team, I may want my fans to shut up, <laughs> you know, because I, I really do get the sense, and, and and I get what's going on, but I really do get the sense that at some point people have got to step back and go, you know, yeah, that was in the past and everything, and it, it does not appear to be affecting these guys. No, it, it doesn't, and it's amazing to me because that was one of my concerns coming into this season is how is being on the road going to affect these guys, and immediately right out of the shoot, they go into four games in Oakland and their fans are absolutely trying to tear them down. And they take four games from the Oakland A's, the defending American league Western division champions. And they did it in dominant fashion offensively, putting up some big runs. And, you know, about halfway through the season, I had a chance to come down and uh, talk to Alex Bregman. And, you know, once we were finally allowed on the field and I just kind of went over to Alex, I'm like, Hey man, I go, how, you know, how is it exactly on the road? Because we're not traveling. And just as an ex-player, I was curious how these guys were handling it. And he just kind of gave me a little side eye, smirked a little bit, and he goes, we're using it. And it it was really interesting to hear him say that, just because they do recognize that they are getting some of that vitriol and some of that hate. But at the same time, it's really galvanized them and brought these guys together because when they're on the road, there's nobody else they can rely on except that guy to their right and the guy to their left. So they've really kind of embraced being that bad boy or being that uh, that hated team, and they've gone out there and continued to prove that they know how to play the game of baseball. But uh, it's still pretty impressive, even this late in the season, and seeing how it's how they've handled themselves last night in Dodger Stadium. It's pretty impressive to see them playing through all of that. And the most fun for 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 me on the outside looking in and calling some of these games is when the series starts. The fans of that home team continue to boo, throw trash cans, and do their thing. But by the time the Astros walk out of that ballpark, those fans are booing their own team. It's amazing. What what does uh, Kendall Graveman bring to this team? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I had so this guy. I watched this guy pitch against the Astros in the starting rotation, and he yeah. would have flashes of brilliance with that two seam fastball. Uh, he had a pretty good breaking ball, but just kind of flipped it in there. Really didn't have that aggressiveness with it. And since he's moved to that bullpen, he has just become an absolute animal. 
And he's even spoken to the point where he knows that his time on the mound is going to be limited, so he can he can let it eat a little bit more. He can be more aggressive, throw a little bit harder, and go max effort. But at the same time, he also had the mentality off the field that he was going to bulk up and get in the gym, load up. He said he put on 30 pounds, and now he's really a driving force going downhill towards the hitter. But the ball's jumping out of his hand. And we saw some pitches last night touch 99 miles an hour, but some of these two-seam fastballs to left-handed hitters on that inside corner, much like Greg Maddox, with that kind of two-seam movement back onto the plate at 96 to 98, that's, that's silly type stuff, man. He's real good. In conversation with Jeff Blum on uh, Baseball Central, the Astros, much like the Blue Jays, although to, uh, w- with a different caliber of relievers, have, have kind of overhauled their bullpen as the season has gone on. How important has that been? Has that been to this to this team? You know, I'm I'm looking at some of the guys they've added: Yimi Garcia, Phil Maton. Um, of course, they've already had Christian Javier there, who at one point was a starter. It was it was it something that the Astros knew they would have to do, or is it one of those things, Jeff, where sometimes you start talking to a team and a, a trade just kind of materializes, you know, and you look at it and go, okay, this makes sense. We can go that way with these guys. Cause it really does appear as if instead of adding starting pitching, they went out and just loaded up on really good bullpen arms. Yeah, they did. They desperately needed some bullpen arms. And the interesting thing is there's a couple of factors that kind of came into play with that. And it was the starting rotation. Uh, you know, they were coming out of camp. The intention was to sign Jake Odorizzi and have him replace Fromber Valdez. But Fromber Valdez recovered, you know, he got a second opinion, and he's come back and been healthy. And when he's right, he's going to give you six innings. Uh, Lance McCullers showed you what he's going to be able to give. When Zach Granke's right, he's giving you six innings. So you've got these guys who have some length in that starting rotation. And then you add Dusty Baker to the mix, who's a little more old school and wants those starters to go a little bit deeper. So he'll kind of he'll push those guys a little bit. And then you add the offense that you already talked about being one of the number one or the number one offense in all of baseball as far as runs being scored. And I think the mentality was, is we're going to score runs. Our our starters are going to go deep. And early in the season, they saw some of those guys in that bullpen who were young, did a good job last year, maybe not have the same stuff they had this year. Walks started to pile up. There was a lot of traffic on the base paths. And then it was one base hit that ended up, you know, spoiling the game or it just kind of spiraled out of control. And they didn't have a couple of guys in that bullpen that could stop the bleeding and get out of innings. And I think that's where they really put the emphasis for the Astros to go out there and get guys who can stop the bleeding in certain situations or come in in high traffic, high leverage situations and find their way out of an inning with uh, limited damage. Jeff, do you know when Alex Bregman is supposed to be back? You know what? All the rumors and everything we're hearing is saying that he's going to be back by the time the Astros get back in Minute Maid Park this Thursday, Friday. Mm. And uh, I'm still kind of curious just because he was scratched from a uh, from a uh, start in Sugarland because of you know a tweak in the hamstring. And you know you, you know if you've played anything, you know you tweak a hamstring, it's going to linger for a yeah. while. So I think they're being extra cautious with him. But if I had to guess, I would say sometime in this Minnesota series after the, you know, to start this home, upcoming homestand for the Astros, I would imagine Alex Bregman finds his way in that lineup maybe this weekend. Jeff, really good of you to do this, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. No, you guys are great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. It's Jeff Blum, Astros analyst. I yeah. covered an awful lot of his major league games with yeah. the Expo. He also 
You may have faced. No, he was with the Ottawa Lynx. Um, maybe. You Depends on what year. I wasn't in the PCL yeah. long. I was in the International League most that was, of the time I was. Ottawa is the PCL. Or is yeah, PCL. No, Ottawa is PCL when East. I played, I think. Were they? I, I, it's a long time. It, well, I know, I, but it, sometimes it, they stay. They took teams, teams right over. They take teams from the East and stick them out there. But yeah. anyhow, whatever. So. Is, it, is it getting easier for you to root for the Astros? Me? Yeah. I mean, I never, I never developed the the same hatred. I mean, it's not like they're managed by Buck Showalter. So no, no, I never have any. <laughs> I, I never developed any. And plus, no, no plus our guy. Dusty, I'm not hating on a team I, managed by Dusty. No, listen, I, I it's got nothing. What what they did has nothing to do he, with Dusty. He, I mean, here, here's the way, here's the, here's the way I look at it. Uh, I got over it. I, it 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 happened, and I understand there are guys out there who are going to feel they're cheated. I get all that. It's been investigated. You know the, yeah, I think the players got off a little easy. But that's that's guess what? That's what happens when you have a a union representing you, right? When you have players' association, it's a lot easier to throw the book at the GM. Yeah. Um, I know. I will say this: some pretty high-profile decision makers have lost their jobs. Yep. So I, I mean, I've moved on, and and I have to admit, the other thing is, <laughs> there's a lot. I, I love watching that team play. Like mm. I love watching Alex They're Bregman play. They're a really good play. team. They I are. just I, I love the way they develop their pitchers. I just I enjoy I enjoy watching them play. I I I really do. They're to me they're 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 one of the more one of the more fun teams to watch in baseball. You know, I like watching San Diego for that reason. You think the Rays are boring as hell. I kind of like what the Rays are about. Are. I like the way they go about their business. Mm. This team also. This team is fun to watch. The Jays. Yes, sir. If if as a neutral this team is a hoot to watch because if you're a neutral, what makes you cheer for a team? Well, probably the personalities, probably the way they are in the field. This is a very expressive team in the field. Yeah, the, the stuff in the dugout, yeah, that, that's all great. That's fun. But I like watching the way these guys go about their business. For the most part, they the play field. the game the right way too. Which yes, helps. they do. Yep. Yes, they do. 416-870-0590, star 591, triple A, triple six, zero five ninety five ninety five ninety is the text line. We are going to visit the text line when we come back. This is Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. There's a lot of stability now. You know, we, we know what we're going to be here for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, there's no kind of what, what ifs. There's no deadlines. There's none of that. It's, you know, our home fans, our home park. So I think just, just with being back at home is, is, uh, is huge for all of us. There you go. That was George Springer uh, discussing the, the more settled nature of things now that the trade deadline is passed. And I'm hitting leadoff. Well, he didn't say that. Now <laughs> You know he wanted to. You know he wanted to. He was waiting for somebody to say. Yeah. He was waiting for somebody yeah. to ask about that. But, yes, indeed, things are more settled now for the Blue Jays. 416-870-0590, star 590, triple eight triple six zero five ninety five ninety five nine is a text line. Robin Porthope, what is up, my friend? Well, like like Mr. Barker, I was on the edge of my couch running. Me my too. Going on the floor this morning, that was awesome. It was. That uh, was a great moment. Oh man, uh, I, I was kind of curious. My son and I were talking about this being a different September for the Jays, uh, even you know much different than last year. And then 
certainly we haven't had that kind of excitement for since 16 and 15. But what do you guys think they're going to do with things like September call-ups? And what are they going to do with Ryu to make sure he's, you know, rested and ready to pitch maybe a second or a third game if they get to the playoffs? Yeah, thanks for calling. You know, I was thinking about that the uh, I was thinking about that the other day. I, I, I mean, I, I think they've got a lot of. First of all, across the industry, I think you're going to see teams really watching workloads after what we saw last year, um, and and even even with veterans, I think guys are there's going to be particular attention. Kevin paid the loss of velocity, arm, you know, dropping your arm, yeah. all that good stuff. I think the Jays have a number of situations with their pitching they need to worry about. For once, in some ways, the bullpen may be the most settled thing uh, because I think they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Mats and Stripling. I I think we're pretty clear in this. I think one of those two ends up in the bullpen. Mm. They're going to bring Nate Pearson back. Now, how are they going to use Nate Pearson? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Are you going to is – there, is there a potential situation where you start Ross Stripling and then bring Pearson in for two innings? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just – there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things they could they could do there. Um, you know, when Danny Jansen comes back, I mean, how do they manage the workload behind the plate? Uh, and, and then who who are they going to call up in September? Like, there, there's some interesting decisions. I, I'm I find it intriguing, Kevin, that Bravik Valera is playing both games. That's weird. Right now, it is weird. Maybe Santiago Espinal. Maybe there's something wrong with them. I, I I don't know. I doubt it. But I, huh. you know, Corey Dickerson starting. I, I think the Jays are trying to the Jays are trying to find out what they have right now. Yeah, see, for me, the, the Matt Stripling thing. They're they're going to tell you mm-hmm. who's pitching and who's not pitching. Uh, the Ryu thing. Look, you're going to ride it till the end. Uh, these games are probably going to come down to the last week. You're fighting for a playoff spot. You can't maneuver it around. Have him missing starts and then trying to fill in with somebody lesser than he is. Uh, the Manoa thing, the 22 days between starts the big league level, I think that right there simplified it for me. Now you give him the ball to the end of the season. That's just me. Barrios has made 30-plus starts a couple of times. You have no worries with him. Robbie Ray, he's a max effort guy. He's a strong guy, big guy, throwing hard, throwing hard the entire season. Until he's not throwing hard, you, you continue to give him his start every five or six days, however they want to maneuver that. I, I think that's taking care of itself. It's taking care of itself because some guys have had some hiccups, some guys took a, you know, a, a guy hurt his back, a guy is not performing. Uh, it's just sort of taking place that you've added a guy that's really good who's made 30-plus starts before in the past. You don't have to worry about him. It's and I, sort of lined up the way I think you want it to line up. To. You, you got three guys or four guys that you want to get the multiple uh, maximum parts of starts out of. That's the way you want it down I'm going to throw another name out there, too, because Juan Gratterall's catching – Triple uh, A Buffalo, and I don't know. I, I don't know how healthy is. I see that he's hitting. What is he hitting right think Three hundred. But yeah. he's a veteran catcher. I, I don't know. Maybe he's the type of guy that they they call up and. But he's not going to replace anybody. He's not going to take at bats yeah. away from anybody. But I, yeah, I don't know. This year, do you reward guys? Um, I, I would think. I would think they'd want to see Kevin Smith up here based on the type of year he's having. I would think you'd want to see Kevin Smith up here. You know, you've waited around six, seven. I mean, he's been in the organization as long as Biggio. Bring him up and see what Depends he can do. Depends on where they're at in the standings, if they ever play or not. You bring him up, you give him a little taste of it. I've been there before. Yeah. It's nice to see how it works. Uniform fits different. It's kind of nice up yeah, here. You get, always, them to, you get them to want it a little bit more, see, and you give it to younger guys who's earned it. In the yeah, and I'm, not, I'm one of those guys. I like the fact that they have September call-ups. I know a lot of people roll their eyes on that. I think it's not a decent me. idea. I was one of those guys that fought for it. 
416-870-0590, star 591, 888-666-0590, 590-590 is a text line. we got lots of time to get the texts and calls. We'll do it in the next hour. First pitch is at 707. This is Baseball Central, your two-hour pregame show right up the first pitch on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I kind of don't want to call it a six-man rotation, although we got six stars. It's just because of double headers. But after that, we're going to go back to five. I mean, you could a number of guys, but of course, you know, if I say Ray, it's not going to be Ray. Ryu's pitching good. Mano is a young guy. Some in mass stripling that done it in the past. They've been in the bullpen, so it could be one of those two guys. I, I know Russ is more comfortable because Russ has done it before, you know, and Matt did it for a little bit, not as much as stripling. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, that was Charlie Montoyo today talking about something we talked about earlier in the show, how the Blue Jays are going to figure out the uh, rotation once they, uh, once they get through that doubleheader in, uh, in Anaheim. And I think Barker and I are both on the same page. It is Baseball Central. Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker, Hi. by the way. Hi. Uh, <laughs> still here. I, th- uh, I, I think we're on the same page here that it's going to come down to Matt's or Stripling uh, for that final spot. Mm. But you know what, Barker? What? Things can change. What's that, Jeff? Well, you open your iPhone here, and, oh, there's a notification from the Toronto Blue Jays. What could that be? Oh, no. Asking myself, somebody being called up? Yes, Taylor Sacedo's being called up. Why? You know why? Why? Because Joachim Soria is on the 10-day IL with an inflamed middle finger. Yeah. This uh, finger, I would imagine. Is that that the finger? I think that's it. Dylan, is that the inflamed? That's the one. That's the inflamed? Are you sure that's the inflamed middle uh, finger? That looks like the one, yeah. That that would probably probably be the one. Yeah. The the inflamed middle finger. That for me doesn't change anything. Now, he's a really good option, but that's what it does. It limits the options now. I love that curvy plop. Well, you, you like, use that OO. Yeah, he's he's been there and done it before. That that's what you're going to miss here for the next however long he's going to be out. But you know, you still you still got your your Romanos and you know your Richard Simber, Barucky, and then there's Mesa and, and Pan and and you said it. Well, I mean, I, I meant him last. There's the handyman. Yeah, you just got to be better at who you're picking and and when you're picking them. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, is a phone line. We'll get to the phone lines in a minute. Your Blue Jays lineup, 707 first pitch tonight from the Rogers Center. George Springer's DHing. Vladdy's at first. Marcus Semien is at second. Bobachet's at short. Teo is in right field. Corey Dickerson gets a second start in left field. Randall Gritchick's in center. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. grabs some pine. Bravik Valera's at... Third, Rude. I thought Gurriel a couple of hits last Rude. night. Stay no high. Reese McGuire is behind the plate. And uh, Stephen Matz is on the mound. If you really care, if you really care, I can give you the Cleveland lineup. But I'd rather go to the phone lines. Yeah. I'd rather, I, I, would, I, would, I would rather go to the phone lines. I think, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably do that. Matt Georgina, what is up? Uh, not too much. We're just sitting on the uh, 404 southbound here in traffic going to the game. Nice. 
Nice. Your first yeah. game for the kids? It's a, it's the first game for the kids. My 11-year-old and my 3-year-old, it's their first game. And uh, anyway, we're excited. I'm really excited. Hello. Hi, Hi there. Yeah. I think, Hi. Hi there. Hi there. Uh, hey, ask them if they have a question for Kevin Barker, because he's a real live, honest-to-God baseball player. Oh, I'm I just was. a fat 62-year-old dude, so <laughs> they, can, they can talk to Barker. You got a, you got a live question? Come on, Logie. Come up with a question, bud. You're on the air who's your, live. Who, who, who's their favorite player? Who's your favorite player? Is it Bo? Is it Vladdy? Is it Teoscar? Is it Jose Barrios? Who is it? Do you have one? Who's your favorite Vladdy? player? Vladdy Jr. Vladdy oh, that's Jr. A, that's oh, yeah. a good pick. He's a, he's a very nice man. He's a really good player. Anyway, uh, fortunately for us, uh, somebody gave us some great tickets, and we're going to be sitting like six rows back at home plate. Oh, nice. congratulations. Nice. That's going to be fun. That will be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. That'll be a lot of yeah. fun. Well, anyway, it's my first time calling you guys. I listen to you guys every day and uh, spend a lot of time in the car with you guys. So it's nice to hear you guys. Well, well we, we appreciate that. We do appreciate the call. Thanks. And have fun. Absolutely have fun. I'm go jealous. down and see. Go. You know what? Try to try to go down to see if you can get a get batting gloves from Vladdy or something. Vladdy's uh, giving his stuff out all the time down around there. He does. There's Maybe it's behind. a home where he comes, comes back ahead. to the dugout. I would do that. Yell and scream at him. Yeah, well, he's very, he's a very nice man. He, he is. He will, he will. He would give you. Now he may not give you his, his bat, but he'd give you some batting gloves or maybe. I would. It'd be worth a try. Why not ask? Right. All he can say is that's right. All, all he could say is I don't no, have any I'm more batting gloves. <laughs> that's what, that might be. That might be it too. No, 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 no. He's he's a he is very nice. He he would certainly listen. Yeah, and uh, ha- have a great deal of fun. And thank thanks for uh, thanks for, thanks for calling us. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm jealous. I'm here with you. Well, you know, it's be thankful for small mercies. <laughs> Great point. I don't, I'm not going to read. Do we really care what no, the lineup is? No. They're, Matt's they're, pitched good and yeah, scored and, a lot and of then runs. They got a guy, they got a guy in the mound who's ERA oh, is 760. Oh, I mean, you, oh, you ruined it. Because you know what's going to happen. Uh, By the fifth inning, the Jays are going to have two hits. and uh, Maybe. 590-590 is the text line. Show what is up, my friend? Have you got some? Uh, you got some text for us here? Yeah, let's check it out here, guys. I see one from Max in East, East York. He says, "Hey, Kevin, I always hear you and others saying I can tell what the batter is thinking by the way he is swinging. Can you elaborate?" Uh well, I don't. I don't really remember myself ever saying that. Or by the way, he's taking. You sure yeah, isn't by the way he's about, taking pitches? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you know you want to get in an athletic position as soon as you can to be able to recognize pitch a little bit better out of the hand. The sooner you do that, you know, you gives you a better chance to because of the high velocity in twenty twenty one. You need to recognize: does, is it spinning? Is it straight? The straighter it is, it gives you an educated guess that that might be a fastball, and mm-hmm. then you're looking location. Now you got about that much time to see that recognize that whether you want to swing at it or take it is it in your zone and that's a, it's a lot to ask for but that that is a that is every hitter's dream to consistently be able to put yourself in an athletic position as quick as you can to recognize that to give yourself a chance to barrel up a baseball and these guys as good as they are especially the blue jays lineup you know when they're doing those things and they can barrel up baseballs when they get the barrel they're creating backspin and they're staying in the big part of the field. And with that bat speed and with that hand-eye coordination, they're going to do some serious damage. And that's the ultimate goal every time you walk to the plate. 
Star 590. 590 is the text line. Text line is filling up nicely. Show, you got another one for us. Sure, let's do another one here. I see one uh, from George in Weston, and he just wants to know uh, if some of the team is starting to show signs of fatigue with their at-bats and their approach at the plate. Oh. <sighs> you know, it's funny because it was interesting because Sunday when, um, when, uh, when Charlie told us <clears throat> that Vladdy was going to get the day off. Yeah. One of the points he made in conversation is, you know, when we talk about the increase in games from 60 to 162 this year, it's always, you're always focusing on pitching, obviously, workloads, et cetera, et cetera. But he also, he, he made a point that in the case of guys like, like let's Vladdy and Bo. Bo hasn't been through a, a no a one hundred and sixty two game schedule. No, you know, like he hasn't. And yeah, they're young, and you know, obviously they're in great shape. And and knock on wood, the dudes play every day. But I gotta think, I gotta think, Kevin and, and Charlie made the point that hey, I've got three guys: Semyon, Vladdy, and Bo that I know are going to play every day. Yeah, I make sure I talk to Man. them every day yeah well there's a difference for me in physically being tired and mentally being tired right. and I, I went through a couple of those when i was a player you do it at the minor league levels a little different all the bus rides and you're getting to games at fields by two o'clock and you're basically showing and going it's you know they, they don't really care if you're tired or not and, and that took a, a big time mental toll and you can see guys like randall gritchick guys like lourdes Gurriel jr you could throw in a cavin biggio there you could see it churning Mm -hmm. And the more it churns, the more you have to think your way through, well, why is it not working? I'm doing all this stuff in the, in the, you know, in the cage and on the field before the game. And it's just not translating over to the field between the lines when it matters. And you can see it actually, you know, you see a little bit of that with Randall Gritchick now because he has had success early in the season. Leagues made a little adjustment. They'll pitch him backwards. They'll throw him more breaking balls and fastball counts. They'll elevate the ball. They'll crowd him a little bit more. They'll throw him, keep him away from that sweet spot, right? He's the same plane swinger a lot of the times. And you can see it, right? He steps in the plate and he steps out and he'll go, why, why didn't I hit it? Hit that? Why did I swing at that? So for me, you could see a little that with Vladdy too. Vladdy trying to figure out how to play every day at first base. It's a new position. Helping out his his buddies at short, at third, at second, those kind of things at the play. He's expected to win MVPs now with the mm -hmm. way he's playing, and that that takes a mental toll on these guys. So for me, I see it more mentally than I do physically. It's a long season. This is what they're learning. They're learning how to control it, how to adjust to it, how to adjust to the ups and downs, keep them at a minimum. And you're seeing these guys trying to work through these things. But, man, the talent's off the charts for, for most of these guys. And, and you can see that the talent overwhelms the other issues that they're going through. want to get you caught up a little bit on what's going on right now. San Diego is beating Oakland 3-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth inning. That, of course, is implications for the Blue Jays in the yep. wild card race. The Tampa Bay Rays beat Seattle 4-3 earlier today. A couple of implications there. Obviously, the Rays are setting the pace in the American League East. But uh, Seattle's also very much in the wild card race. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the Yankees taking on the Orioles tonight, and you've got Boston taking on the Detroit Tigers tonight. And as we mentioned, 707 is the first pitch at the Rogers Center. Ben Wagner joins us in a few minutes. Jay in North York, what is up, my friend? Oh, hey, guys. It's good to chat with you. I've got going a little off topic here, but I'm really wondering 
what Gil Kim is doing in the dugout. I know he's a quote-unquote front office personnel. I think he was a player development guy. I met him once in spring training years ago. Great guy. But he seems like he's not doing much. He's not interacting a lot. He's, he's physically there. Now, someone told me this. And, Parker, you could tell me if this has any weight, that he is sort of like a front office spy kind of ish to see what's going no, on. No, he's not dead. Uh, so what's he doing there? He's not a coach. He's not part of the athletic training team. He's well, he a is a coach, coach, actually. He is listed as a coach. Yeah. He's listed as such, but he doesn't look like he's. Yeah, he's, I mean, well, I mean, if you get out to the ballpark early, if you get out to the ballpark early, you'd see how much sort of actual physical labor he does. Yeah. Teams now, every team, not every team in baseball, but a lot of teams in baseball have a coach who, I mean, you know what the NFL, they call them like quality control guys. I mean, yeah. they, they basically, um, rock a ball, Delhi's got a guy as well. Throw BP, hit ground balls, but also, soft toss in the cage. But also, and, and also, you Water. know, our, generally they are a conduit between the analytics folks and the manager. And, you know, in the case of Gil Kim, when you've got an organization that has a lot of young guys coming up, I mean, he knows, he and John Snyder, frankly, know these young guys more than a exactly lot of the, right. the major league coaches do. But a lot of teams have it. Um, the Tampa Bay's got a guy who never, uh, Tampa Bay's got a guy in the dugout. I can't remember his name. I never played baseball. Um, he's he's basically basically a numbers guy, an analyst. And, and other teams have that as well. I believe San Diego does. I know, as I said, I know Minnesota has a guy like that as well. And they're just, it's just another, it, it's, it's another avenue for information to be distributed to the manager. Yeah. Like, and, and I, you know, can I, I, I got to tell you something about the whole, um, <laughs> the whole spy thing. Yeah. You want to know the truth? If, 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 if somebody, if a front office really feels that way, it's going to be a player. Like it's going to be, yeah, every, yeah. Yeah, Park, I mean, you've had guys, For, you've had guys in the team where you, yeah, on teams you kind of scratch your head and go, well. Yeah, yeah, 2015, 2016, you could have said, yeah, the older team guys who are on the bubble coming back. Or this is a young team. These guys are, don't, you know, are not going to say things out of place or do things they're not supposed to be doing. They're just yeah. trying to make their way as big leaguers and get paid. Like yeah. the, the, you know, the, the, I don't know what a spy thing is. Like, what would what would what would he be telling the front office? This guy ain't working. Oh, you're a big leaguer. Yeah. Your your performance is going to tell you between the lines. I mean, to take a brain surgeon to sit up there if you're a GM and go, is this guy working hard before the game? Well, look at his numbers. Look at what he's doing on defense. Yeah. Look how he's running the bases. It'll the, tell you. The other thing I'm going right to in front of you. The other thing I'm going to say too is, is, it's not like it's not like the day where the manager and the pitching coach and and the uh, you know, and the hitting coach were, were kind of the, they were, I mean, I remember them weren't even bench coaches, really. Manager, pitching yeah. coach, hitting coach were the guys. Now it's much more collaborative, and it's like this every team, uh -huh. not just the Blue Jays. The bullpen coach has a say in stuff. Uh, the pitching coach, obviously. The hitting coach, you look at the Blue yeah. Jays. You know what? Dave Hudgens is the bench coach, but part of Dave Hudgens' responsibility is to help Guillermo Martinez with the hitters. And that's the other thing in recent years. A lot of teams have assistant, basically assistant hitting coaches. Yep. So, and, and John Snyder, I mean, if you, if you watch the dugout, 
John Schneider is next to Charlie Montoya more often than Dave Hudgens is. Yeah, Dave yeah. Hudgens is a bench coach. So it's again, a, it's just, a, there is a little bit of that, too, of what happens in the clubhouse, stays in the clubhouse. And if guys like Marcus Simeon, Bo Bichette exactly. ever found out that a coach was – yeah, I don't even want to. I don't even know what the right word would be. What we ratting out, whatever. I, I guess that's the word you'd use. Yeah, yeah. Whatever players are doing or not doing, then then that that wouldn't go very well over with the players and the coach. And some things would take place that probably shouldn't take place in a in a season that they're trying to make a playoff yeah. push. So I've never seen that. I've never heard of that. But I, I just think all of these all of these coaches that I know, all of the players that I know are all trying to do the same thing, is win as many games as they possibly can and, to make the playoffs. And it, it used to be as well that when you put together a coaching staff, it was kind of an understanding. There would be guys who were there because the manager was comfortable with them. There would be guys who were there because the GM was got to be a trust with. factor there. That, that I, mean, I remember when I remember when Gord Ash was at. Uh, oh, it's going to get me in trouble. Uh, Jim Fergosi's pitching coach. Oh, Jesus! Did they fire Rick Langford? And I I don't know. No, I'm going to get in trouble. But they basically made they made a change with the pitching coach, and Jim Fergosi was really upset about it because mm-hmm. they kind of got rid of his guy. And brought their own guy in. So that's all this stuff goes. I'll tell you what, it's the same thing. I, mean, I remember the Montreal Expos, their roster construction. When you got down to the bottom of the roster, you know what? Every now and then, the GM would have a guy. The manager says, I got to have this guy in my team. Yeah, no coach. No, and no coach never wants to be yeah, that guy. But, but that guy. I, you know, I like, got, here I, comes that guy. I got to have this yeah. guy in my team. And the GM will go, okay, you know, I'll throw you a bone. We'll put this guy in the team. Clearly, you've got a reason for him. So it's a lot of collaboration that, 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 that goes on in this thing. Eddie in Toronto. Hey, guys, thanks for taking a call. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Let's go Broncos, baby. Oh, yes. I, 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 <laughs> they, they, hopefully they're better defensively and that quarterback shows up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to talk about uh, George Springer and your thoughts on uh, – because, look, uh, not that many teams have a leadoff guy that can go yard. And uh, to me, like, that's totally controlling the tempo of a game yeah. when you have a leadoff guy that can go yard. I mean, you – Pitchers, pitchers are going to see him more than any other uh, batter in a game. Um, is he more, is, or is he going to be? Do you see him being more of like a consequential player than Vladdy? We all know Vladdy can smash, but this guy's a different animal. You know, he, that leadoff guy that can go yard. I mean, I think that's crazy. Yeah, it is. Oh, well, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, again, it's. I think it's one of those things where when you have as many good players in a row as you can possibly have that knows the strike zone, that knows who they are, that knows if they can consistently swing at the same pitch over and over and over again and not chase something that they can't drive, they're going to have a lot of success and ultimately their team's going to have success. I, I just think George adds a whole different element because when's the starting pitcher usually struggle, Jeff? Early in the game, first inning, having trouble with mechanics and release point, and occasionally if he's going to hang a breaking ball or throw a fastball down the middle, it's that first inning. You want that guy that's been there and done it before, that knows how to, like I just mentioned, when he gets a good pitch, he gets the foot down a little early, he's athletic, he's got a lot of confidence in doing it, and you're trying to do it to two guys back-to-back, and then you add a Marcus Simeon, and then you add a Bo Bichette and, and Teoscar Hernandez. They just smother a pitcher early in games when they're having that good approach and, and staying within themselves. So 
it's 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 a long-winded answer just to say it's a lot of trouble when George is swinging at strikes and his pitch and Vladdy's doing the same and Marcus Simeon's doing the same and Bo Bichette's doing the same and Teoscar Hernandez is doing the same. They're a lot to handle, and that's the ultimate goal here is when they're a lot to handle, they score a ton of runs. Yeah, and, and I think Ross Atkins made the point the other day when we had him on. He does he he sees some pitches, right? He doesn't chase. We talk about chase. that late, yeah. that late and close stat. Is is what what is what did Ross say about that? Is don't chase, yeah. stay within yourself, swing at a strike. The more you can do that because you have talent offensively, good things are going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I that's think a great that, point though. And and they also you know keep in mind that one of the reasons they brought George Springer in here is he he'd been there and done that. He's had a lot of postseason lot of home confidence. runs. You can see it when he walks to the mound, just, or when he walks to the plate, just because he's leading off. Yeah. There's that there's that mojo factor. I got it, and you don't. And I'm going to show you. 707 is the first pitch tonight at the Rogers Center. If you're going down there, it'll be Steven Matz on the mound for the Blue Jays, JC Mejia for the Cleveland Indians. 416 870 star 591 888-666-0590. We'll take a break and come back with more of your texts, more of your calls. Ben Wagner as well. This is Baseball Central. As always, you can text us at 590-590. Baseball Central, Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker, taking it right up to first pitch at 707. The Blue Jays taking on the Cleveland Indians, the third of four games. The series wraps up tomorrow. And then, Mr. Barker, the Boston Red Sox come into town. Um, let's revisit. Let, let, let's revisit some old friends for a minute, shall we? Remember we said yesterday that Jonathan Davis was picked up by the uh, New York Yankees. Well, he was added to their roster today. Now, he's not in the lineup uh, for tonight's game, but he was added to the blue or to the Yankees uh, active roster. And, um, well, a certain Mr. Rowdy Tellez, <laughs> mm. when, when Rowdy Tellez went to the Brewers, you made the point that you thought in that ballpark and that uh, that division, you know, man, you were you were saying it's going to be a, a perfect, yeah. perfect thing, perfect thing for Rowdy mm. Tellez, right? And I I, I agree with you just because I mean I I kind of hope I kind of hope you know Rowdy Tellez, I, I wish him well. With the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy Tellez has a three thirty nine batting average. He's got five homers, sixteen RBI. He's got a 1.045 OPS. That's since the Brewers have uh, acquired him from the Blue Jays for Trevor Richards. Now, a couple of things here, because I know what you're saying. Jeff, aren't the Blue Jays looking for a left-handed bat? Huh. Well, the Jays, yeah, they are too right-handed heavy. You're going, well, Jeff, wouldn't Rowdy Tellez look good in this team? My answer would be no, because I don't know where he'd be playing in this team. Yeah. He ain't playing a first base. I mean, we've gone down the show. He's not playing a first base. Mm-hmm. You, you don't need to play defense for, for the guy at first base right nope. now. And well, tonight the Jays have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, Rowdy could be in the lineup. I guess is the left-handed bat, but he'd have to be DHing because he can't play the outfield the way Corey did. The Jays needed a left-handed bat that could play almost any position other than first yeah, yeah, yeah. base. Well, Let, right. let's, and the other thing is, mm-hmm. 
they needed Trevor. I mean, they needed Trevor Richards, and yeah. especially after what we just heard about uh, Joaquin Sorry. Ra- Ra- Rowdy Rowdy's pl- plate discipline's not great. You know, we've we've seen it. The ball up, the ball down and in. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me, just from July seventeenth. Let, let me read you some days that he played. July seventeenth, eighteenth, twenty, twenty-one, twenty. 3, 24, 25, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. And then in August, he's played 1, 2, 3, 4. He's played almost every single day. He's got 53 at-bats. He struck out 10 times. That's the point is with his swing, it's long. But when you have a long swing, I know that because I had a long swing. When you have a long swing, it's the re- you being repetitive with your motions, batting practice, I need to carry that over to a game. If I do it in batting practice and I don't play three games till three games later, it sort of goes away and then your swing gets longer. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by longer means you're you're eliminating half the field. E- either you're out in front, you're out and around. When you're out and around, you hit the top of the ball. You're hitting ground balls. You hit ground balls in 2021, you're out. And now what you're starting to see him do is line to line because he's playing every single day. And with that long swing, the the – his weakness of the up and the down and in doesn't show up as much because he's repeating that thing in batting practice. Then it carries over to the game. He shows up the next day. He does sort of the same routine, and he's being rewarded for it because he's playing every day. That's the easy thing for me because I, I was basically Rowdy Tellez when I was a player. That, mm-hmm. that plate awareness, I had trouble with where the plate was in. Not so much up because the, the thing wasn't up when I was playing. It was more in and then spinning it. It was just where's the plate from where I was standing to where the corner of the plate started. Okay. That was the issue I had, but I would chase that. And I couldn't get the head out enough to either keep it fair or to hit it hard somewhere. And that was my sort of my Achilles heel a little bit. And he's playing. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Let me ask you something. When you are scuffling as a left-handed hitter, does it get... Does it get frust- more frustrating when you can't handle a right-handed pitcher? You know, d- d- does that enter into your in- into your mind at all? Well, when you're struggling, you're probably not going to face a lefty. So you're, you're going to get you're only going to get them point. righties. Yep. Okay. And that's you got fair. a natural uppercut in your swing, which is the big thing, right? Most most lefties. That's true. Yeah. Until you're older and you understand your body, you understand great great swings start from the ground up, a great foundation. It's anything you do. You build a house. Great houses are built from the ground up. It's, it swings no different. Mm-hmm. And you get older, you understand the foundation of your swing. When your front foot hits in this spot and it does this, then you're going to do maximum damage, which is the ultimate goal there. But when you're younger, you understand that. It's right, free and easy. You're right. You're not thinking about a whole lot of that. And mm-hmm. you need to consistently play all the time for you to be able to swing at what you want to swing at. And that's rowdy in, in a nutshell. And then you you add him to that park. That park's it's something like line to line. You could tappy, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little elevated Buffalo. <laughs> I, I think that's one yeah. you can, you can, you know, it's a bigger, not the fence ball carries as much. Just roof like Buffalo is close line to it. It's got a, it's got it's a roof. Just, it's, a, it's a, yeah. It's when I played there as a visiting team and in the batting cage, I could open the visitor clubhouse and I could be taking swings off the tee and look at the home plate. So I would basically, when I would pinch it when I was with the Reds, I'd go straight from the cage and not even take a swing on the on-deck circle and run straight, straight to the plate. Because you could... I could see the plate, what was going cool. on, when I was going to hit, and I would be taking a swing right up until the time that I was going to run up and try. And I don't think I got a hit or two there, but the uh, wasn't because of effort. The Padres, by the way, are trying to close out the uh, the Oakland Athletics right now. It's 3-1 
bottom of the ninth. Mark Melanson's on. Is that is that Laureano's just been working him? This is like his what his eighth pitch. Oh man. Anyhow, it is three uh, one for the Padres. Uh, show before we uh, take a break and then bring Mister Wagner in. Let's uh, let's see what we got in the text line a little bit here. Sure thing. I see one here. We can stay on the West Coast if you want. Someone, Daniel from Toronto, he wants to know why no one is talking about the Giants. They're a model of consistency every year. Love the show, especially Parker. Ha. He does not say That's that. Not, you lie. He, he, I'm he reading the text. It. Come on, show. He sent, a, he sent a second one. The first one said that one. Oh, no, he's not. You are lying, man. <laughs> you lie like a rug. <laughs> I'm reading the text right. Oh, you're right. Okay. Uh, I'll be jealous. I'm not. Why does anybody? Why, why did they? Uh, why does nobody talk about? You know, Tom Verducci wrote an article in this about the Dodgers and the Giants. I wanted to know why. Because the Dodgers are in their division. That's but the why Giants we don't talk do everything about the well. The Giants. They, if you look at them, they Wait, do for, everything well. Everything. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for the Dodgers to show up. There's been a lot of. You know, kinks in the armor for the Dodgers. You know, with Trevor Bauer and Mookie Betts and. Mm. Cody Bellinger not doing his thing. It's uh, I, I guess we should. I guess we should be. I, it's yeah. it's sort of like me with the Rays. I know why I don't like the Rays, especially with the guy that I sit with every single day that is just the biggest fan of the Rays and would rather Rays. watch them than any other team in baseball. Which is just no, the that most is ridiculous not thing that I've ever heard of on true. the planet. That is, but maybe that is not true. I admire true. the way they go it about their business. That is. It is true. Man, oh man, between you and 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 show here, the lies. The <laughs> lies. On a beautiful Wednesday afternoon, the lies. It's just awful. I don't know. We we've just we just seen Kev, Kevin Gosman and and Alex Wood and Brandon Crawford. Logan Brandon. Webb and you know, I just can can you sustain that? And and Johnny Cueto, can he continue to do all that stuff? He I does, think, and I, I guess we got to. You know, they go out and get Chris Bryant doing his thing. He did a home run already, and I think the bigger issue for the Dodgers is going to be that that San Diego plays them real tough. San Diego seven and three against t- them, and if you and it was interesting. You look at the way San Diego pitches the Dodgers. You look at some of the Dodgers' numbers against the Padres, and and you talk about the Giants' uh, front office reading the room. Like, I don't think this is what they thought this year mm-hmm. was going to look like with what the Dodgers did in the offseason and what they did, you know, obviously what they did at the trade deadline, but going out and getting Chris Bryant, reading the room, going, we got your back. I know what we were supposed to do when the season started, but well, what are we doing now? And you go out and get Chris Bryant. It's maybe we should. I'm on, I'm on the, I'm on the, the I'm Giants on the bandwagon band. right now. Today right. starting. You know what? I, I, I'm so upset. Uh, that's that my I, team. I'm, I'm so- picking them right now to win it. Because I, I picked a, I, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to keep doing it because I know you're going to go with the Rays or you're going to say something you probably shouldn't say. I'm going to go because I picked the Padres. Tatis Jr. is hurt. Probably not going to come back this year. Tough so, luck. You can't so change I, your pick. I, I'm changing it. You change yours all the time, so I'm changing mine. I never change mine. You know, I was going to go to the, uh, back to more text, but because <laughs> you and, 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 and show our producer both lied, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to take a break instead and bring Ben Wagner in because <laughs> both of you guys lying. Yeah. So, uh, you know, don't. If, if you send in a text, it's Barker's fault. Just blame Barker. Oh, I appreciate that. And blame blame Show Ali, our producer. It's it's their fault. I got nothing to do with this. Got nothing to do with this. So, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to take a break. This is Baseball Central. Ben Wagner's next.
All right, by the way, you know, you Barker, are. Barker brought this to my attention. You folks realize I was kidding, right, in that last segment I don't that think I wasn't going to. That was you not going to cut like it off. You were really serious. No, I didn't. Like you take it to heart. It's like a, a birthday thing. You want a 365 day birthday. No. That's Nate, true. Nate and Winona. This has got me thinking. Mm. Love Winona, by the way. Yeah. Great peaches. Right. We love you too, Jeff. Mm. Yeah. That's not how it ended. Even though you are a bit of a fun vacuum sometimes. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Well, Nate, it's you, Y-O-U, apostrophe, R-E. Ooh. Yeah? That's like, that's what my wife does to me. Yeah, I, she does do that, that to me Nate, all I'm the sorry, time. Nate, I'm kidding. I, and people do that on Twitter. It, it, man, I, if you're going to correct someone's yeah. spelling, first of all, don't go on Twitter because it'll suck your soul out and spit it out. <laughs> and when you go to hell, the devil is going to look at, what are you pointing at me? He's going to look at how many times you've been on Twitter. Yeah. And, he, and he got a special room for you on Twitter an awful lot. And I know what goes on in that room. And believe me, you do not want to go into that room. That's a bad room. You sound like so you've been in that room before. Oh, you'd be surprised the rooms I've been in, my friend. You'd be surprised the rooms I've been in. Uh, Teoscar, this is, we talked a lot about Teoscar Hernandez and, and the nice little role he's on right now. And, 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 Bark, you wanted to spend some time talking about him, and I want Ben Wagner to join us for the conversation. But before we do that to focus on Teoscar, uh, Dylan, I want you to play a clip because, Te- look, it seems to me that we've seen maybe more than any other player I have been around since the Blue J- in, in 2000, since I've been around the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. We have seen a progression in Teoscar Hernandez's game. He's gotten better and better and better and better as the seasons have gone on. And uh, Shai Davidi asked him yesterday about his, his approach and, and, and trying to go to right field a little more mm-hmm. and being a little more conscious about that. So, Dylan, I want you to play the clip, and then we'll bring Ben in from the ballpark. How do you feel about your ability to hit the hit the ball to the right side? And you know, how did you get to the point this year that that's been so successful for you? The thing is that I wasn't a good hitter to hitting the ball to right field. I was a pull guy uh, hitter, uh, but the last three years I, I, I was I have to learn how to hit the ball over there. I have to work so hard, and that that I think that's that's part of my success the last two years or the last three years. Uh, when I got back, called up in 2019, and you know, in the big leagues, they they they're trying to get you out the the best possible that they can, and 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 I have to make that adjustment and, and start hitting the ball to right field because they were throwing me a lot of pitches, a lot of fastball in the zone. That there, there were strikes uh, outside that I was missing it, or I was pulling it into ground ball to third or, or shortstop, but. Uh, that was one of the reasons that, that I, w- I have to work so hard and, and try to to be a better hitter, hitting the ball to the opposite way. Let's bring in Ben Wagner from the ballpark. He'll have the call of the game tonight. 7.07 is the first pitch. Ben, that was Teoscar Hernandez yesterday talking about the uh, talk, talking about the changes he has made in his approach. And I, I don't know if you heard, but before we had it on, I just mentioned to Kevin, I was, I mean, I'm trying to think of Blue Jays players, and and I'm sure there are, there are, there are folks out there who are going to be able to correct me and say that, uh, you know, that I've forgotten somebody. But I don't know, honestly, if I've seen a player change people's opinions of him mm-hmm. in the span of a couple of years the yeah. way Teoscar Hernandez has done. And I want to know what you think about that, Ben. I think, I think that's a great way to put it because 
He was a guy that was not in the organization. It wasn't a prospect that was coming up through the system you were excited about. He was an unknown, right? When he came over from Houston, he was just part of a package late in the summer. I think it was 2017, maybe 2016. Uh, came up, got a cup of coffee, and looked overmatched a lot of the time. Looked like a strong guy, looked like an athletic guy, and looked like a carbon copy of a lot of guys that make it to the major leagues with a lot of promise and never really pan out. But Teoscar Hernandez had a couple of things work in his favor. Coupled with a change in mindset and a lot of conversation between Justin Smoke and as we learned over the last two years with Dante Bichette, and also then a mechanical adjustment at the plate where he changed kind of the load, got his hands figured out, does a little bit of that swivel on the foot Reminiscent of Bo, but but different, right? Uh, but you can see some of that Bichette influence in that, and boy, has it ever come together. And he is he has turned his last three years around, and that's really where it started in 2019. Remember, he was optioned back and had to figure out his swing and also figure out defensively what kind of player he was going to be because this was twofold with Teoscar Hernandez and people forget you know how far he's come on both sides he looks like a much more confident defender than where he was just two years ago okay if you're the GM two years from now would you pay him well I think he's part of the plan I mean here's a guy that's got the ability to hit 40 home runs for you and you didn't give up on him when you probably could have dumped him mm-hmm. and now I think he is proving to this organization, especially the front office, that this is a guy that has demanded to be part of this thing. Well, watch the clubhouse. If we're talking about chemistry and being a good teammate, yeah. who gets more of a reaction yeah. than Teoscar Hernandez? Yeah. Well, how much uh, what chemistry cost you? That, that's the question. You still got to pay well, uh, Bo. You got to pay Vladdy. That, you may well, pay Marcus Simeon. You, you got to pay a starting pitcher. Like that there's, is a there's a lot of money going question. around. Yeah, that, I mean, it is a heavy, heavy purse that the Blue Jays are going to be toting around in the next three years because of the guys that will roll right off your tongue. And then you get into the guys like Teoscar Hernandez. How do you build around him? Do you pay him? How many dollars? How many years? Yeah. What else is out there on the free agent market to improve this club, knowing that you're always going to need to go after pitching? And and that's a great point. It's one, And, and I, I think you've got to put Jose Barrios in there as a guy they yeah. want They want at Forgot least look him. at. That's all I, I've, I've said, and I will continue to say it. The Jays, one of the biggest things we've seen happen this year is Alec Manoa develop the way he has they need another Alec Manoa because then now you got yeah. a guy who's controllable for four or five right. years a pitcher you can spend that money elsewhere well, in your position maybe he's, maybe he's and, one of the guys you try and trade instead of paying him to get what you want on the on the pitching right. side of it you, you may be the guy to love it yeah you but also remember now that system took a dent because the next guy that was supposed to jump in here with Alec Manoa Simeon Woods Richardson was Good at the point. upper levels and now he's no longer part of this equation so the next wave, whether or not it's Elvis Luciano, I mean, these are guys that are still in the lower lower minor leagues. Right. Uh, just want to uh, bring people up to date, by the way, we mentioned earlier, and again, 707 is the first pitch. Ben will have a call from the ballpark. Uh, the Rays beat the Mariners. Kind of a mixed blessing for the Jays, but if you're focusing on the wild card, that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Boston's in Detroit tonight. New York takes on the Orioles, and right now... <laughs> Right now, it's 3-2 for the Padres over the A's. 
bottom of the ninth inning, two out, one and two, Mark Melanson on the mound. The A's, as they are wont to do, have got runners in first and second, and Yan Gomes is at the plate. So you so want to pitch the go. ninth inning? <laughs> uh, so the the injury of, uh, or I'm sorry, Joaquin Soria's injury here. How, obviously, it's a setback, and oh, my goodness. Yan Gomes just singled in the tying run. It is 3-3 now. Uh, Joaquin Soria, uh, the, the finger injury, middle middle finger inflammation. Never, yeah, that finger, Barker. Never a uh, never a good thing. Never a good thing when you hear that because Ben. Every time I hear that, I think of Aaron Sanchez and finger inflammations and pulley tendons and all that stuff. Yeah, I got wind of that on the field earlier today during batting practice, and it was downplayed, uh, but still left me with a lot of uncertainty on on how significant this is going to be so this is something that is going to take a little bit deeper of a dive and more communication because while taylor saucedo did arrive earlier this afternoon and made an appearance on the field that tipped my hand that they were going to make a roster move and trying to find out about the severity of this again it was kind of scoffed away by a couple of people that i asked about it um and I said significant, like a big hole here, because remember, Joaquin Soria was brought in here not because of his current numbers, but because of where he is in his career mm-hmm. and the stability of a guy that would be unfazed in any situation that he was cast into for this bullpen. And now they have lost a veteran in this role, bringing back a younger player in this role. So this is not where Charlie Montoya wanted to be, you know, 48 hours or 96 hours after acquiring a veteran for his bullpen. Ben, do you think we will ever see a consistent, better Steven Matz? Yeah, the, uh-huh. an, the short answer to me is yes, it's yeah. in there. And, and I had a really good conversation with Pete Walker about that, that kind of thing mm-hmm. today. I said, Steven Matz, you saw him in New York get flustered, get frazzled when things either by his own doing or behind him out of his control unraveled around him. I said, what has surprised you about Steven Matz? And he said, the reset that Steven Matz was able to have earlier in the year, and credit to him, things were going a little bit better. And out of the COVID stint where he was on the injured list with the COVID, you know, he lost a feel for the fastball, and they've tried to get that back. So there are some mechanical things that he's been adjusting. But the one thing that Pete brought up to me as he said, he reminds him of a young Jay Happ Hmm. in terms of where he tried to be too fine on the mound, too perfect with every pitch, looking at every pitch after every start, breaking down what needed to be better and forgetting about what was actually good within that start. And it took Jay Happ a couple of tours. He had to go to Pittsburgh. He had to go to Seattle Mm -hmm. and he had to mature as a human being. Remember the turnaround for Jay Happ, happened after he became a father. And Jay will tell me that and has told me that. Steven Matz is is probably on the cusp of that maturing as a Major League Baseball player. And that's all I know him as right now, not as the individual. But it's it's definitely in there, and guys can find it. And I look at the demeanor of Steven Matz, where he's still a pretty even-keel guy, pretty much unflappable when it comes to conversation and you know he never gets too high never gets too low and that reminds me a lot of Jay Happ right Mm -hmm. where he's just kind of this calm collected uh, individual until the lights go on and he gets in there between the lines so yeah 
I think that that consistency can be found. Roberto Perez, by the way, has been scratched from the Indians lineup. Austin Hedges will be behind the plate. And uh, <laughs> the uh, Padres and A's are going to extras. Mm. Uh, oh, wow. the, uh, yeah, Mark Melanson just got a, a pop-up that resulted in a collision between, uh, looks like the second, I think it was Cronenworth, a, a collision between a couple of... Uh, a couple of Padres players. They hung on to the ball, though, so uh, it is 3-3 Oakland, who you know very much in the in, in, in the Jays' frame right now, although the Jays have played fewer games than mm-hmm. them. Uh, Oakland and uh, San Diego going to extra innings. Mark? No, I, I was just, the, the, to finish off the Stephen Matz thing, he's, I, I get what you're saying about all that, but he's 30. Like, I, you know, the mental part of it and, and the getting it over it quicker and, the stuff better, you know. That, if you're saying that about a 26 or 27 year old, I'm I'm with you. But he's 30. Like that's that's just I think a lot to ask. And and maybe he is just a five inning guy. And occasionally it'll be a good five inning. And occasionally it won't. Well, the, you know, five inning guy is what baseball has developed too. I guess. Yeah. You, you know, uh, if you get five innings, some days it it's going to be really good. Some days it may not be as good. But if five innings is where he can give you. In today's game, and talking with Charlie Montoya specifically, five innings gives us a chance, and he always references guys that need to be ready for the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yep. Uh, Bark and I had this discussion about where the Jays go with the rotation after, I think it's a, they have a doubleheader in Anaheim uh, next week, I believe. I know they got the doubleheader against Boston, yep. a doubleheader in Anaheim. Now, it's kind of an interesting situation because Ross Stripling has pitched out of the bullpen before. Ross Stripling, Stripling, though, I think in some ways has staked the claim to a rotation spot based on what he's done this year. And Stephen Matz, on the other hand, I don't know how much, I don't know how you would use him out of the bullpen. Are these two guys, are, are they essentially fighting for that last rotation spot right now, Ben? Or do you think that at, at the end of the day, the fact that Ross Stripling has been there before? will more likely tilt going into the bullpen, uh, would, would, would precondition the Blue Jays to putting him in the bullpen instead of Matt's? I think it's preconditioned that, that Strip would go to the bullpen because of exactly what you just described, right? He has been there. He understands coming in in different situations, and he understands his body, you know, to be that swing guy and how to stay on top of it. But you can't deny that his turnaround – should deserve an opportunity for him to continue to pitch. And I asked the question on the field today. I said, you've got some decisions to make, and the two candidates to move from the rotation are the two guys we're talking about. Steven Matz is the first guy, and then Ross Stripling when the Blue Jays get out of the doubleheader that's on Saturday, next week then on the West Coast against the Angels. They'll move away from this six-man they don't want to use the word rotation, but six guys to start games over the next ten days. Okay, I, got, I want got, to go back to the five guys. So, yeah. in my mind, Strip probably gets the nod only because they've worked really hard to try to get Mats back on track. Yeah, you got three guys in your rotation. You got to get most starts four down the stretch. You worry about everybody else. But I asked you this yesterday, and I'm going to ask you again: How come Santiago Espinal is not playing third with a lefty on the mound? I asked the question today, and I couldn't get a solid answer. Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, Santiago Espinal, I watch workout on the field. I ask if he was healthy, yep. and the answer is yes. Okay. He is healthy, um, and he, he was very active at third base and at shortstop, taking ground balls today. Uh, so I don't think that there is any health concern. I think that there is somewhat of an agenda, uh. along with Brave of Glare, whether or not 
more opportunity, gets his bat going, gives the Blue Jays a little bit more versatility. And, um, you know, bottom line is they're afraid that Santiago Espinal, even though he is so smooth with the glove, they are looking for more consistency and strike zone discipline mm. at the plate in the bottom third of that order. And, you know, to his credit, Valera, with an infield back, rolled over one yesterday, mm -hmm. got a run in with an easy ground ball out to second base. Later on, he had kind of an, an inconsequential base hit. But some of those things where Espinal can be overmatched, especially late in a ball game when there's trouble with velocity, that's what the Blue Jays wanted to avoid. Ben, really good insight as always, my friend. Thanks so much. I will enjoy your work in the cars. I'm driving yeah. home. Lord knows it's going to probably oh, take me two, so. two and a half hours. I hope so. So uh, have a great call tonight, my friend, as always. Thank good you. Good job, buddy. Thank you, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. You. Ben Wagner, the voice, radio voice of the Blue Jays. He will have the call. 707 is the first pitch from the Rogers Center as Stephen Matz and the Blue Jays take on J.C. Mejia and the Cleveland Indians. Um, just watching the monitor right now with uh, Springer and Vladdy. They're always together. You notice that? Yeah, it's it's. But Vladdy didn't Vladdy didn't have a good day. George comes over. Yeah, it'll be okay. You're you're yeah. still hitting three twenty five. It is walk off Wednesday, or it was walk off Wednesday. Well, it's still kind of walk off Wednesday in Baseball Central. And Matt and Georgina, I hope, I hope you're out of the traffic by now. Yes. I hope the boys are in their seats getting ready to enjoy their first baseball game. The 11-year-old, the 3-year-old, you as well, Matt. You walked us off. We'll be back tomorrow. So we're just sitting on the uh, 404 southbound here in traffic going to the game. Nice. Your first yeah. game for the kids? It's, uh, it's the first game for the kids. My 11-year-old and my 3-year-old, it's their first game. And uh, anyway, we're excited. Hello. Hi. Hi there. Who's their favorite player? Who's your favorite player? Vladdy Jr. Vladdy oh, that's Jr. A, that's oh, yeah. a good pick. He's a very nice man. He's a really good player.